Is a person born with hypocrisy? Is he? What happens? Hypocrisy develops. How does it develop? How? An example that we see over here is making promises with Allah and then breaking them. Presenting excuses, false excuses for not doing what is important. Procrastinating and delaying what is necessary. And basically we see that in these ayat, in the previous ayat and also in the ayat that we will learn later, that nifaq develops with making excuses. When a person makes excuses for not doing something that is important and urgent, what is he doing basically? Justifying to himself and to others that he doesn't have to do the job. Correct? But when a person presents an excuse, I don't have money so I cannot give. I'm busy so I cannot come. My children, my job, my this, my that, and because of this I cannot do what is important. What is he doing? He is allowing himself to fall back. Correct? For example, if you have an assignment that is due at school, and to get your final mark, you have to submit three assignments. What happens with the first one? You say, I'm too busy, I'm too sick, I'm too tired, I can't do this. So you go tell your teacher, I can't do this one. What is she going to say? If you don't submit it, you're going to get a zero. Right? And you can come up with the best excuses even, even though they may be genuine. Are you going to get your mark? Are you going to get your credit for the course? No, you're not going to get it. You're going to fail. So nobody goes forward with excuses. Nobody excuses their way to success. If you want to be successful, then you have to leave, you have to stop making excuses. You know like what they say? Stop making excuses and start making changes. So that's what is necessary. But a person who doesn't have that high goal for himself of earning Allah's pleasure, of earning high darajat in Jannah, then what happens? He says, oh it's okay, never mind, never mind, I won't do this, I won't do this, I won't do that. And for everything there is an excuse. Either he blames Allah, or he blames his family, or he blames his financial situation, whatever it may be. And such people are not successful in life. They keep falling back, they keep falling behind to the point that when it comes to the matter of faith, what happens? They develop nifaq. فَأَعْقَبَهُمْ نِفَاقًا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ Allah punishes them with nifaq in their hearts. And this nifaq, it continues, it remains until the day they meet Him. Meaning until the day that they die. So until they meet Allah, what is in their hearts? Nifaq. And then can that nifaq be removed? No, it's too late. Because however a person dies, that is how he will be resurrected. فَأَعْقَبَهُمْ نِفَاقًا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ And we see over here also one more characteristic that nifaq is also amongst people who are lazy. Meaning who don't do anything themselves. First of all, they don't do anything. They make excuses. And secondly, those who are doing something, they either accuse them showing off or what do they do? They make fun of them. For such people, Allah says, إِسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ Seek forgiveness for them. أَوْ لَا تَسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ Or you don't seek forgiveness for them. Who is being addressed over here? The Prophet ﷺ. That, O Prophet ﷺ, whether you seek forgiveness for the hypocrites or you don't seek forgiveness for them. 
ان تستغفر لهم if you were to seek forgiveness for them how many times sab'ina maratan 70 times falan so never yaghfir allah allah will forgive lahum for them even if you o prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam were to seek forgiveness for the hypocrites a 70 times would allah forgive them No, he will never forgive them. Why? Because ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ That is because indeed they كَفَرُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ They disbelieved in Allah and His Messenger. وَاللَّهُ لَا يَهْدِ الْقَوْمَ الْفَاسِقِينَ And Allah does not guide the sinful people, the disobedient people, those who cross their limits. What do we see over here? That for a munafiq, The istighfar of the Prophet is also not going to help. When it comes to a believer, a person who is sincere in his faith, if he makes a mistake, even if it's a major mistake, and you know on the day of judgment we see that some people will end up in hellfire despite their iman because of the sins that they've committed. So what's going to happen? The Prophet of Allah wasallam, and not just him but other righteous and other prophets, they're going to do shafa'ah, they're going to intercede. So because of that intercession, what is going to happen? Allah will forgive those believers. He will bring them out of hellfire and He will enter them into Jannah. Someone who is supposed to go to hellfire because of the shafa'ah of the Prophet ﷺ, what's going to happen? They will not be sent to hellfire. They will be sent to Jannah. But what is mentioned over here? That when it comes to the munafiqeen, even if the Prophet ﷺ were to seek forgiveness for them a 70 times, Allah would not forgive them. Why? Because these people, themselves, in their heart, they are not sorry. They are not sorry. They do not seek Allah's forgiveness. Because if they wanted to please Allah, there are so many ways out there to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If they had adopted even one, perhaps they would have attained salvation. But because in their hearts, they are not eager to please Allah. In their hearts, they have no desire to attain Allah's pleasure, then the seeking forgiveness of the whole world even is not going to benefit them. Even the Prophet's du'as are not going to benefit them. You see, many times it happens that people, they live their lives according to their desires. And then what happens when they're about to die? They hire a few people so that they can read Qur'an for them 24-7. Alright? Or when they die, then people can gather together and keep reading Qur'an and keep forwarding them the Ajr. Or what do they want? That when I die, then my coffin should be dipped in zamzam, and then I should be covered in that coffin, and so and so should pray my janazah, and this should happen, and that should happen. But the fact is that if a person themselves didn't do anything, then external factors cannot help them. External factors cannot help them. Because on the day of judgment, what is it that's going to be looked at? What is it that Allah is going to appreciate on that day? It's the qalb, qalb salim, right? It's the sound heart. And if a person does not bring a sound heart, but there are many external things, is that going to benefit him? No. What is going to benefit a person that day, in the hereafter, near Allah, is the state of his heart. Does it have iman? Does it have sincerity for Allah? Does it have love for Allah? Does it fear Allah? If the heart is free of these precious precious things, then nothing at all can help an individual. So over here, what do we learn? That even the Prophet's du'as are not going to help a person who 
is sinful in his heart. Wallahu la yahdil qawmal fasiqeen. Allah does not guide the disobedient people. And unfortunately, we see there's something so common amongst the Muslims. Do whatever you want, the Prophet's intercession will help you. Huh? Do whatever you want, just send durood on the Prophet ﷺ and everything will be fine. Yes, we are hopeful that inshallah we will receive his intercession. We will be of those fortunate ones whom, who will be close to the Prophet ﷺ. But who is it that the Prophet ﷺ would like to pray for even? You know on the day of judgment when people will be coming to the hawd in order to drink from that pool, from where the Prophet ﷺ will be giving water to drink. What's going to happen? Some people will be prevented. They will not be allowed to come. And the Prophet ﷺ will say that these are people of my ummah. And he'll be told that you don't know what kind of things they invented after you. So because of that, he will say, suhqan, suhqan, keep away, keep away. On the day of judgment, the closest people to the Prophet ﷺ will be who? Those who are good in their akhlaq. And the farthest people from him will be who? Those who are bad in their akhlaq. So there are certain factors that will make a person worthy of the Prophet's dua. And then there are certain factors that will cause that dua to be accepted in his favor. And what are those factors? Where are they essentially? In the heart. And if those are missing, then external things cannot help a person. Fariha, he was happy, he was rejoicing. Fariha is from farh, and farh is to be happy on receiving a blessing. Has it ever happened that you really want something, then you get it? And then what's the state of your heart? You're like overjoyed. Rather, let me give you another example. On TV, when you see somebody winning something, hmm, then what happens? What's their state? They are so happy that they start jumping and screaming out of joy, right? So, Fariha, he's overjoyed, he's extremely happy. Who? Al-Mukhallafuna, those who have stayed behind. Mukhallafun from Khalanfa, Khalafa, to leave behind. Mukhallafun, those who are left behind. Meaning those who remain behind from the expedition to the book, what happened? They became very happy. Why were they happy? Bimaqadihim. Because or by their maqad. What does maqad mean? It's from Qaf Aindal. Qa'ada to sit. Maqad means two sitting, remaining behind. And maqad also means the place of sitting. Remember the word maqa'id, positions, right? So over here maqad doesn't mean the place of sitting, but rather it means sitting. So they were very happy about sitting, about staying khilafa behind Rasulullahi, the Messenger of Allah. So what is it that became a blessing for them? Rather, what is it that they viewed as a blessing? Staying behind. That okay, the Prophet ﷺ, the Muslims have gone and we're behind. Thank God we're here. We didn't go along with them. They were overjoyed for not going along with the Prophet ﷺ. What does it show? They have no interest. They have no interest in accompanying the Prophet ﷺ, in going out in the way of Allah. Because if they had even the slightest interest, then what would they be doing instead of laughing? What would they be doing? They would be crying. Has it ever happened that your whole family is going somewhere, and you are not able to go because you have an exam or something? So you're at home while everybody's out. Do you feel happy? That yes, I'm home. And they've all gone shopping. Yeah? 
Would you be happy? No, you would never be happy. Even though you realize that it's necessary for you to stay, in your heart you're feeling sorry for yourself. Because you feel that you've lost an amazing opportunity. Right? So over here we see the exact opposite. They're happy about staying behind. فَرِحَ الْمُخَلَّفُونَ بِمَقْعَدِهِمْ خِلَافَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ وَكَرِهُ And they disliked. And that يُجَاهِدُوا They strive بِأَمْوَالِهِمْ With their properties وَأَنفُسِهِمْ And themselves فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ In the way of Allah. Meaning, they didn't want to spend their money and they didn't want to go out themselves in the way of Allah anyway. They didn't want to do that. So, because they managed to stay behind by presenting false excuses, they were really happy about that. As if they had become very successful. Now, why is it that they did not want to go with the Prophet ﷺ? Because the journey of the book was, first of all, really long. It was extremely hot. There was drought. And on top of that, it was harvest season. And besides, when the Muslims would reach their destination, who would they have to face? An enemy. That was supposed to be much bigger than theirs. This was the plan. Right? So this is why the munafiqeen, they did not want to go. And they didn't go themselves. And the believers who were going, they were also discouraging them. وَقَالُوا And they said, لَا not تَنْفِرُوا You go out فِي In the heat. They were saying, are you crazy? Don't go out in the heat. It's so hot. Look, we made an excuse. The Prophet ﷺ allowed us to stay behind. You also come up with some excuse and you'll be allowed to stay behind. Don't take it too hard on yourself. Don't put yourself through so much difficulty. They said, لا تنفروا في الحر. Allah says, قُلْ Tell them, نَارُ جَهَنَّمْ The fire of hell. أَشَدُّ It is more intense. حَرَّ In heat. You're trying to avoid the worldly heat, the heat of the desert. The heat of hellfire is much worse. It is much more hot. لَوْ كَانُوا يَفْقَهُونَ If only they would understand. If they understood that the fire of hell is much, much more hot, then they wouldn't be staying back right now. Rather, they would be running out in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, accompanying the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Because you see, if a person understands, then he does something to protect himself. Isn't it? And if a person doesn't understand, then he won't do anything to protect himself. So the problem with the munafiqeen is that they don't even bother to understand. Their mind works a lot when it comes to worldly matters. But when it comes to the deen, when it comes to akhirah, then they don't understand the simple things even. And this is something so simple, so clear. The Prophet ﷺ clearly stated that everyone was supposed to go. He sent word to Makkah. He sent word outside of Medina. He made it clear to the people. Everyone was supposed to go. And he made his intention clear as well as to where he was going. And before this was not the case. So at this occasion, participating in the battle was fard ayn. It was mandatory on who? On every single individual. And for them to stay behind, for some people to come up with excuses and stay behind, this was not acceptable. And with reasons such as, it's too hot, we can't do it. If Allah is telling you to do it, that means you can do it. Always think like this, because لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. Correct? So yes, it is hot in the desert. Yes, the journey is long. Yes, it is going to be very difficult. But 
If Allah has put you to it, if the Messenger وسلم, is telling you to go, then that means you are capable of taking this journey. You are capable of doing this. And if at that time we start making excuses, then that is not acceptable. And in this ayah is a great warning that you want to avoid the heat of this world. Realize that if you're avoiding the heat of this world, what are you going to face tomorrow? The heat of the hellfire. And you see, the heat of this world, isn't that enough to torture a person? The fire of this world, isn't that enough to burn a person? Think about it. Don't we hear about people who become severely burned because of exposure to fire temporarily? Yes? It's sufficient to burn a person. Imagine how much worse the fire of hell is, that it's much stronger than the fire of this world. Just imagine the intensity of that fire. If we're running away from the fire of this world, how much more should we be running away from the fire of the akhirah? قُلْ نَارُ جَهَنَّمْ أَشَدُّ حَرَّا أَشَدُّ حَرَّا So anytime there is temptation to do something wrong, anytime there is temptation to lie, anytime there is temptation to stay back from what is important, from what is fard, remind yourself, the fire of hell is much worse. Just look at fire, turn on the stove or anything, and just look at that fire and remind yourself, this is nothing compared to hellfire. If I cannot go near this, if I freak out going near this, then what's going to happen on the Day of Judgment? What is it that will protect me then? What is it that will come to save me at that time? قُلْ نَارُ جَهَنَّمْ أَشَدُّ حَرَّا لَوْ كَانُوا يَفْقَهُونَ If only they would understand. فَلْيَضْحَكُوا So they should laugh. قَلِيلًا Very little. فَلْيَضْحَكُوا From ضَحِكْ and dahik is such laughter in which a person's teeth are showing. You know, generally when a person is talking, okay, you see a little bit of the teeth. And when a person is smiling, also you see a little bit. But when a person is laughing with the mouth open and the teeth are showing, qalila. Allah says, laugh very little. They should laugh very little. وَلْيَبْكُوا And they should cry كثيرا much. Instead of laughing and rejoicing at staying back, they should be crying right now. They should cry more than they laugh. Why? جَزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ As a recompense for what they have been earning, for what they have been acquiring. Like we learned earlier that when the believers left for Tabuk, what happened to the munafiqeen who managed to stay behind? They were really happy. They were overjoyed. And they were laughing away. That look at these crazy people, they've gone. And we're so clever, we're so smart. We managed to deceive Rasulullah wasallam, And now we're here. They've gone out in the heat and we're going to be enjoying the shades and the cool water and the fresh dates. And they were laughing, overjoyed. Allah says, فَلْيَضْحَكُوا قَلِيلًا Whenever a person is enjoying his sin, enjoying disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, instead of smiling and laughing at that time, what should he be doing really? Crying. Because what is he inviting? Allah's punishment. There is no, no pleasure in sin. There should be no pride in committing sin. Because at that time, a person may be happy. But in reality, what is he bringing to himself? Eternal sorrow, eternal grief, eternal regret. 
فَلْيَبْحَكُ قَلِيلًا وَلْيَبْكُ كَثِيرًا They should cry much. جَزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ And this is, yes, this is with regards to a specific context. But in this is a lesson for us also. That if we realized how serious the matter of the Akhirah is, how serious the matter of the grave is, Hisab is, the day of judgment, the standing before Allah, the weighing of the deeds, crossing the bridge, if we realized how serious that is, really our laughter would go away. We wouldn't be seeking ways of entertaining ourselves all the time. Then we would really become focused people who have a serious end, who are going to meet Allah, who are going to face death one day. Ask yourself, I have to die. Remind yourself daily, I have to die. Am I prepared? Am I prepared to die? And if I'm not prepared, what am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? Just to finish this TV show, and finish that TV show, and finish that movie, and then I'm going to prepare for the Akhirah? Really? Then I'm going to prepare for death? Remind yourself daily, I have to die. Am I prepared? If not, what am I waiting for? فَلْيَضْحَكُوا قَلِيلًا وَلْيَبْكُوا كَثِيرًا Generally, what is it that we do more? Do we cry more or do we laugh more? What is it that we do more? We laugh more. We laugh a lot. And the Prophet ﷺ, he also, he smiled. There were times when he also laughed, but he also wept. And he also said that if you knew what I knew, then you would cry more and laugh very little. And you would not enjoy your women in beds. And you would weep and beseech Allah for mercy out in the open. Meaning you would leave everything, you would lose all your pleasure in life, every kind of pleasure in life, you would lose that. And what would you do? You would come out in the open, begging Allah for forgiveness constantly. This is what you would be doing, if you knew what I knew. Once the Prophet ﷺ was passing by a grave, and he said, the people in the grave are being punished. He heard the sound of those people being punished. And we also learned that the Prophet ﷺ said, that if I was not afraid that you would stop burying your dead, I would ask Allah to make you hear what goes on in the grave. But I was afraid that if you would hear what goes on in the grave, you would stop burying your dead. Somebody dies, we hear somebody's really sick, they're about to die, we're like, oh, how sad, too bad, their time is up. And we forget that one day, our time is also going to come. Today somebody's janazah is being read. One day our janazah is going to be read. Today somebody is buried in their grave. And one day we too are going to be buried in the grave. Our phone is not coming with us. Our enjoyment, our different ways of pleasure, they're not coming with us. We are going to be alone in our grave. Have you ever thought about this? In darkness, all alone in a small, narrow, tight place? Covered in just one simple piece of cloth? We're deceiving ourselves every day when we think life is long and we think it's okay, do whatever you want. We have forgotten how serious, how serious the akhirah is. We worry so much about this temporary life which is just a fraction of our existence. If you think about it, a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, what were we? Nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a few years to live 
in this life, in this dunya. And then after these few years, then there are hundreds and hundreds of years in the grave. And after that, there is eternity in the akhirah. And what do we think? My now, my enjoyment, my happiness, this is what I have to do right now. And because of that, we delay what is more important or, or we completely forget about it. We think we don't have to do it, somebody else has to do it. Yes, somebody else has to do it and I have to do it too. Because they're going to in the grave and I am also going to go in the grave. They're going to meet Allah one day and I am also going to meet Allah one day. It's amazing how we can see other people performing salah and we think we don't have to. We see other people reciting the Qur'an and we think we don't have to. Their Qur'an is going to help them. And my recitation is going to help me. If your mom is reading, if your aunt is reading, your friend is reading, good for them. What about you? What about you and I? What are we doing for ourselves? We're just concerned about being happy now. We're in pursuit of this happiness which is never going to be found in this life. And on little things, we start laughing and laughing. فَلْيَضْحَكُوا قَلِيلًا Allah says, stop laughing. Laugh very little. وَلْيَبْكُوا كَثِيرًا And cry more over your sins. وَبْكِ عَلَى خَطِيئَتِكَ Weep over your sins, the Prophet ﷺ said. Cry over your sins. Ask Allah for forgiveness. وَلْيَبْكُوا كَثِيرًا جَزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ فَإِن so if رَجَعَكَ He returns you Allahu Allah إِلَى طَائِفَةٍ مِّنْهُمْ A group from them. Meaning if Allah brings you back home safely, and these ayat were revealed on the way back from Tabuk, on the way to Medina, that if you end up reaching Medina, if Allah brings you back home safely, إِلَى طَائِفَةٍ مِّنْهُمْ To a group from them, and you meet some hypocrites, فَاسْتَأْذَنُوكَ Then they seek permission from you, لِلْخُرُوجِ For the going out, meaning for going out to battle, خُرُوج from خَرَجَ So on your return to Medina, when some hypocrites will come to you, asking permission to accompany you to another expedition, خُرُوج Meaning that they go out with you on the next expedition. فَقُلْ So say, لَن تَخْرُجُوا مَعْيَ أَبَدًا Never will you go out with me. Ever. Your chance is now over. You can never ever accompany me on any expedition from this day onwards. Because what happened was that when the Prophet ﷺ returned, the munafiqeen, those who had stayed behind, they came again talking and presenting more excuses just in order to please the Prophet ﷺ, just to make sure that he would not be angry with them. He would not be upset with them. Because the concern of the munafiq is that he wants to look good in everybody's eyes. He doesn't want to ever have a bad image. This is why the focus is on the physical appearance. This is why the focus is on what does she think of me? What does he say about me? This is what the concern is. So when the Prophet ﷺ returned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is warning him, preparing him from before, that they will come and ask you. They will say, you know, this time we weren't able to go with you. But inshallah, next time, you know, you have my full support. Next time, we'll be ready from before. Next time, we'll go with you. Allah says, tell them, لَن تَخْرُجُوا مَعِيَ أَبَدًا You can never go out with me again. وَلَن and never تُقَاتِلُوا You will fight مَعِيَ with me عَدُوًا any enemy.
That's it. Your chances are over. You're never going out with me on any expedition and you're never going to fight with me any enemy. Why? Because innakum, indeed you, raditum, you were happy. Bilqurud, with the sitting. Awwala marrah, the first time. You were very happy about remaining behind the first time, about staying behind the first time. So فَقْعُدُوا مَعَ الْخَالِفِينَ So from now onwards, forever, what should you do? Go ahead and sit with who? مَعَ الْخَالِفِينَ With those who stay behind. خَالِفِينَ is a plural of خَالِف. And who is خَالِف? One who stays behind. خَلَفَ Stay behind. So those who stay behind, you stay with them. From this day onwards, you're not going out with me. What do we learn from this? That when a person has an opportunity to do good before him, and he deliberately does not take advantage of it, he deliberately leaves it, then what happens? In the future, he doesn't get those opportunities again. Why? As a punishment for refusing it. As a punishment for refusing it. What happens is that when a person refuses once, Then later on, even if he realizes this is something that I should do, by the way, then what comes in between? Ego. His pride. Correct? That I said no first, why should I say yes now? And there are very few people whom Allah gives tawfiq to say yes, right? Later on. Because they're able to sacrifice their ego. They're able to overcome it. But generally what happens when a person says no the first time, then he's not able to do that ever again. So losing one opportunity means losing how many opportunities? One? No, many, many more. Many, many more. Because every opportunity to do good is a means that will lead you to many, many more opportunities. Like for example, if a person decides that they're going to memorize one surah of the Qur'an, somebody offers them, I'm available, if you want I can help you. Every Sunday we'll meet for two hours and I can help you memorize this one surah. And they also have the time, they can do it, but they say, no I, I don't want to. I, I, I think hifz is too difficult, I can't memorize one surah even. It's, it's not my thing, I'm not going to do it. So now what's happening? They're depriving themselves of memorizing a surah. Okay. But you know what? They're also depriving themselves of reading that surah over and over again. Right? And then memorizing another surah after the surah. And then another surah after the surah. Correct? So remember that every good deed is a door to many good deeds. So when a person refuses to open it, what is he doing essentially? Depriving himself of many, many more opportunities. And this is exactly what happened with the munafiqeen. They refused to go out with the Prophet ﷺ without any genuine reason, without any valid excuse. So what happened later on when they came and said, we'd like to go with you in the future? What were they told? No. Sorry. You cannot come again, ever. And you know what? They did actually lose this opportunity. Because the expedition to the book was the last expedition that the Prophet ﷺ participated in. It was the last one. So those who missed out on this opportunity, they missed out on something very, very great. They were told, فَقْعُدُوا مَعَ الْخَالِفِينَ So sit with those who remain behind. So what's the lesson then? 
Any opportunity that comes your way, grab it. Go for it. Take it. Allah says, وَلَا تُصَلِّي And you do not pray. Meaning, do not perform salah. O Prophet ﷺ, upon أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ Any one of them, any one of the hypocrites who mata, who dies, mata from mouth, he died, abada ever. So any one of the hypocrites, if he dies, you are not allowed to pray over them. Pray what? Pray what? Janazah. The Prophet ﷺ was forbidden from performing salatul janazah even for the hypocrites. And, وَلَا تَقُمْ And you do not stand عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ On his grave. Because it was the habit of the Prophet ﷺ that when he would bury one of his companions, he would stand by the grave afterwards making dua for the one in the grave. That may Allah make it easy for him. Over here he's told, when you bury a hypocrite, when he's buried, وَلَا تَقُمْ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ You're not going to stand on his grave seeking forgiveness for him. Why? Because إِنَّهُمْ كَفَرُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Indeed, they have disbelieved in Allah and His Messenger. وَمَاتُوا وَهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ And they died while they were fasiqoon. Fasiqoon, they were sinful. They were disobeying Allah. They were crossing limits. They died in that state. So this is why you're not praying janazah for them and you're not making any dua for them after they have died. It's amazing how they tried to hide their hypocrisy during their life. But when they passed away and the Prophet isn't allowed to pray janazah on them, everyone else around them will know for sure that they were hypocrites. So their name will be tainted and left bad forever. Just imagine that they tried to hide their hypocrisy, but with their death, their hypocrisy was exposed. Because if the Prophet ﷺ is not praying somebody's janazah, then what does that show? That person is a mu'min? It's very obvious that that person is a munafiq. We learned that when the Prophet ﷺ returned from Tabuk, and Abdullah bin Ubay, the chief of hypocrites, he became very sick soon after Tabuk. And remember that Abdullah bin Ubay was someone who also went for Tabuk with the Prophet ﷺ. Many hypocrites, they stayed behind. Abdullah bin Ubay, he went along with the Prophet ﷺ and he created a lot of trouble for the Muslims. He was one of the people who influenced others and they had the courage to speak against the Prophet ﷺ and mock at the Muslims and mock at the Qur'an and mock at the Prophet ﷺ. So anyway, Abdullah bin Ubay on his return from Tabuk, he got really sick. And he was about to die, basically. It was very clear that this man's going to die. So Abdullah bin Ubay, his son, whose name was also Abdullah, he was a sincere believer. Okay? And what happened? He came to the Prophet ﷺ and he asked him, that please may I have your shirt in order to bury my father in? So the Prophet ﷺ, imagine, what did he do? He gave his shirt. Abdullah bin Ubay was not just a hypocrite who had been trying to deceive the Prophet ﷺ. He was one of the people who had hurt the Prophet ﷺ in his personal life. You know the incident of Ifq, the lie against Aisha anha, who was one of the main people? It was Abdullah bin Ubay who accused Aisha anha of her chastity. And what happened? The Prophet ﷺ, he was hurt for an entire month. Imagine, he didn't have peace in his family, in his household. So Abdullah bin Ubay had hurt him at that time. And not just this one occasion, go back all the way to 
the battle of Uhud. What did Abdullah bin Ubay do? With so many people, what did he do? He came back to Medina. He abandoned him. At the battle of Khandaq also, he said very harsh words. He was the one who was provoking the Jews against the Muslims. Right? And he was the one who would give them their support against the Muslims. Right? Now this man, when he's dying, his son comes to the Prophet ﷺ and says, may I please have your shirt so I can bury my father in it? If you were in a position like that, what would you do? What would you do? Like, no way. Anybody but him. The Prophet ﷺ gave his shirt for Abdullah bin Ubay to be buried in. Then what happened? Abdullah bin Ubay, he died. And his son Abdullah, he asked the Prophet ﷺ, please offer my father's funeral prayer. Please offer my father's janazah. Because the son was a sincere believer. Right? And he was, after all, a son. And he wanted the best for his father. Even though he knew the evil and the sin of his father, he still was hopeful that perhaps, maybe Allah will forgive him. Maybe. So he wanted the Prophet ﷺ to offer the janazah. And the Prophet ﷺ agreed. He agreed. He stood up in order to go to offer the funeral prayer. And Umar anhu, he took hold of the Prophet ﷺ and said, Ya Rasulullah, are you going to offer his funeral prayer? Even though your Lord has forbidden you to do so? Meaning, even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, استغفر لهم أو لا تستغفر لهم إن تستغفر لهم سبعين مرة فلن يغفر الله لهم Even though Allah has said that even if you seek forgiveness for them 70 times, Allah will not forgive them, still you will do that. The Prophet ﷺ said, I have been given the choice for Allah says, seek forgiveness for them or you don't seek forgiveness for them. So... I am going to seek forgiveness. Allah says, even if you seek forgiveness 70 times, I will seek forgiveness more than 70 times. Maybe, maybe this man will be forgiven. I will seek forgiveness more than 70 times. Umar anhu said, this man is a munafiq. How can you do that? The Prophet ﷺ, he said, never mind. And he went and he performed the funeral prayer. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this ayah. This ayah that clearly forbade the Prophet ﷺ from offering the janazah. That, وَلَا تُصَلِّ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَاتَ أَبَدًا وَلَا تَقُمْ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ إِنَّهُمْ كَفَرُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَمَاتُوا وَهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ What do we learn in this ayah? There is mainly two things. First of all, we see, again, the same lesson, that if a person himself has not done anything to seek Allah's forgiveness, then even if the Prophet of Allah is performing his janazah, even if the most righteous of people are around him seeking forgiveness for him, is it going to help that person? No. It's not going to help him. So we should stop relying on the righteous people who may be around us, and we should start focusing on our actions. We should start doing something ourselves. If a person, their father is very wealthy, what do they think? That Oh, I don't have to bother too much. My dad will give me money. They have this hope that my father's money will help me one day. In worldly matters, yes. Other people, their accomplishments may help you to some extent. But when it comes to akhirah, then no. Nobody's good deeds can help you. Nobody's istighfar can help you if you, if you are not sincere in your heart. 
Secondly, we see over here the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. That how forgiving he was and what a big heart he possessed. If somebody hurts us even slightly 15 years ago and today we learn that they have died or they are extremely sick, what kind of words do we say? Good for them. They hurt me like that. This is what they deserve. And if you try to recall what exactly happened, you might not be able to recall because it's been so long. Right? But still, we are so vengeful. We are so full of hate in our hearts that we're not ready to forgive others. But we see the Prophet ﷺ, so forgiving he was, that when he was asked for the shirt, he gave it. When he was asked to perform the janazah, he went and performed the janazah. He said, Allah has given me a choice. Istaghfir lahum aw la tastaghfir lahum. So I'm going to go for istaghfir lahum. Allah has said that you seek forgiveness 70 times, Allah will not forgive them. I will try more than that. Maybe Allah will forgive them. And for any person who wants to go far in his life, he wants to earn Allah's pleasure, what is necessary? That they learn to forgive others. If we don't forgive others, then we cannot serve the religion of Allah. Then we cannot, we cannot really go far in the way of Allah. Because the fact is that when a person is on the way of Allah, then yes, people will hurt him a lot. They will hurt him a lot. And if you keep these grudges in your heart, then you can't go far. You have to forgive to free yourself. You have to forgive others' mistakes, their shortcomings, their injustices against you. Why? So that you can go far. Because you know what grudges do? They hold you down more than any other person. Because you have that grudge in your heart, your heart is locked up. Your potentials are locked up. Right? You are not free. You cannot think freely. You cannot do anything freely. Because you're const- in the back of your mind, you have those feelings that are constantly weighing down on you. It's a burden, it's a weight under which we have oppressed ourselves. So what is necessary? That others' injustices against us, we forgive them so that we can release ourselves. We can free ourselves. And the more we think about what others have done to us, the more it holds us down. Yes, Aisha? I was reflecting on the hadith that you were just saying about Umar radiallahu anha and I was reflecting that the kind of ilm uh, al-yaqeen they had that Umar radiallahu anha stopping Prophet وسلم, reminding him about the ayahs of Quran on, and Prophet وسلم, is the one who you know received, had the, the Quran. received the Quran so I was thinking like subhanallah this is the reason why they are companions they were companions and Allah is Pleased with them because of the knowledge they had, the courage they had. And it can only come to us when we have that kind of firmness in our iman. The reason why we cannot stop people from bad, because we are not sure if it's bad or not. There are many times when we look at a scholar or a regular person who's talking about something and we are not sure if they're right or wrong. We don't have the courage to stop because we are not sure. And I was thinking like how important it is to do our lessons. You know, uh, GIs always say do seven times. If we really go through our course the way we are asked to, I have hope in Allah that we, we will have this firmness too in our knowledge. Inshallah. Inshallah. Inshallah.
So over here, وَلَا تُصَلِّ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَاتَ أَبَدًا وَلَا تَقُمْ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ إِنَّهُمْ كَفَرُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَمَاتُوا وَهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ وَلَا تُعْجِبُكَ And it should not please you. It should not impress you. What? أَمْوَالُهُمْ Their wealth. وَأَوْلَادُهُمْ And their children. Their properties, their children should not please you. You should not be impressed by them. إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ Indeed Allah only wants. أَنْ يُعَذِّبَهُمْ بِهَا That He should punish them through them, meaning through their wealth and children. فِي الدُّنْيَا In this life, in this world. وَتَزْهَقَ أَنفُسُهُمْ And their souls depart. وَهُمْ كَافِرُونَ While they are disbelievers. Because the munafiqeen, like we discussed earlier, that their entire focus was on what? On their image. My image should be good before others. This is why they paid a lot of attention on their physical appearance, on their money, on their children. So Allah says over here, don't be impressed by their wealth and their children. They have a lot of wealth, they have good children, okay, that is of the glitters of this life, but how is it good? How is it good if it has kept them away from going out in Allah's way? If the same wealth and children have been the cause of their staying back from the way of Allah, that they haven't gone in the way of Allah, saved a lot of money for themselves, and their children are healthy, they're fine, what good is that? What good is that? Eventually their wealth is going to finish. Eventually their children are going to finish. And they're going to be cursing their children on the day of judgment, running away from them, cursing their wealth, whatever they had. Because they will say, it was because of you that we disobeyed Allah. So don't be impressed by their wealth and children. Allah is going to punish them through their wealth and children in this life. Meaning the same money, the same children will become a source of pain and misery for them in this life. For a believer, wealth and children are very good. Why? Because he uses them in good ways, and they're basically opportunities for him to accumulate more reward for his akhirah. Right? When he teaches his children good things, and when he spends his wealth in good ways, then even when this person dies, when the believer dies, what is still coming his way? Good deeds, the du'as of his children, right? The sadaqah jariyah, all of that is still coming his way. So for a believer, wealth and children are really good. Why? Because he uses them for akhirah. He invests them in the life hereafter. But a munafiq, for him, wealth and children are not good at all. Why? Because he uses them for worldly glory and fame. And what happens? The same wealth and children that rise him up, that bring him a lot of fame and glory, the same wealth and children are a cause of his decline and misery. Right? They become a cause of committing sin. And as a result, he is humiliated in this life. And he is also humiliated where? In the hereafter. And وَتَزْهَقَ أَنفُسُهُمْ وَهُمْ كَافِرُونَ Because of this wealth and children, they're fooled by them, deceived by them. They continue to live like this until they will die while they are still disbelievers. Assalamu alaikum. I'm just kind of surprised to see the same exact ayah being repeated just a few pages back. Um, it seems to show two things. That First of all, it's very important for us to pay attention to the fact that children and wealth are not the most important thing. Or if we have them, we have to use them in the proper way. And second of all, it seems to show also that as human beings, we tend to just go for these things. It seems as if... It's as if we, this is the entire purpose of our life. Yeah. Right? I that if someone that has children, then they are a human being. They're complete. And if they don't have children, 
it's as if they are the most unfortunate people of this world. Right? So what do these ayats show to us? That wealth, wealth and children, while they are very important, they are not everything. They are not everything. They are a means that Allah has provided to us to get closer to Him. Right? But for some people, what happens is that this means becomes the goal. And when it becomes the goal, it takes them away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When it takes them away from Allah, this wealth, because of it, they do bukhl. They are stingy. These children, because of them, they miss their prayers. They disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in one way or another. So they become a source of sin for them. A means by which they were to get closer to Allah. What is happening? The wealth and children becomes a means for them to go farther away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Recitation. استغفر لهم أو لا تستغفر لهم إن تستغفر لهم سبعين مرة فلن يغفر الله لهم ذلك بأنهم كفروا بالله ورسوله والله لا يهدي القوم الفاسقين فَرِحَ الْمُخَلَّفُونَ بِمَقْعَدِهِمْ خِلَافَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ وَكَرِهُوا وَكَرِهُوا أَن يُجَاهِدُوا بِأَمْوَالِهِمْ وَأَنفُسِهِمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَقَالُوا وَقَالُوا لَا تَنْفِرُوا فِي الْحَرِّ قُلْ نَارُ جَهَنَّمَ أَشَدُّ حَرًّا لَوْ كَانُوا يَفْقَهُونَ فَلْيَضْحَكُوا قَلِيلًا وَلْيَبْكُوا كَثِيرًا جَزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ فَإِنْ رَجَعَكَ اللَّهُ إِلَى طَائِفَةٍ مِّنْهُمْ فَاسْتَأْذَنُوكَ لِلْخُرُوجِ فَقُلْ لَنْ تَخْرُجُوا فَقُلْ لَنْ تَخْرُجُوا مَعِيَ أَبَدًا وَلَنْ تُقَاتِلُوا مَعِيَ عَدُوًّا إِنَّكُمْ رَضِيتُمْ بِالْقُعُودِ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةٍ فَقُعُدُوا مَعَ الْخَالِفِينَ وَلَا تُصَلِّ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَاتَ أَبَدًا وَلَا تَقُمْ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ إِنَّهُمْ كَفَرُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَمَاتُوا وَهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ وَلَا تُعْجِبَكَ أَمْوَالُهُمْ وَأَوْلَادُهُمْ إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ أَنْ يُعَذِّبَهُمْ بِهَا فِي الدُّنْيَا وَتَزْهَقَ أَنفُسُهُمْ وَتَزْهَقَ أَنفُسُهُمْ وَهُمْ كَافِرُونَ